0: I drove over Manastash Ridge uh, into the Yakima Valley, into the heat last weekend. (laughs) I wondered, what have we done? The heat was only reduced by the smoke, which was filtering the sunlight. And the whole whole Yakima Valley is like a bowl just filled with smoke. For me, it was an, an instant headache and eyes watering. I wanted to get back inside something with filtered air as quickly as possible. Of course, we've had a few days like that over here on the west side as well, uh, and, uh, and last summer even, even maybe more so than this summer. Now On the, on the south side of Mabton, where, where we were, I was introduced to dry farming. Andy, our host and a third generation wheat farmer, told us about the very thirsty wheat that they would plant hoping for some rain. The, the wheat's planted in places without irrigation. And in Mabton, they'd only had two inches of measurable moisture in 2021. And so we would see some fields where the wheat would grow up about a foot and then just stop growing. Thousands of acres of stunted, standing wheat, long after the time to be harvested. It was wasted. Uh, Today I want to appeal to you to turn back to the fountain of life, the source of sustenance, satisfaction, and growth, uh, f- fruitfulness, and not to turn back to futility. You know, in our in our Acts series, which we're re-engaging, we saw that Stephen was called to account for his teaching and preaching and healing ministry, and the Greek Jewish people, the Hellenized Jews, had brought charges against him. We, we could pick up the story in Acts chapter 6, verse 8. We see that he's doing signs and wonders, and so they've instigated men to, to give charges of blasphemy, blasphemy against Moses and against God. Uh, they stirred up the elders and the scribes and got everybody to come and bring them before the council. They got these false witnesses together and said, this person has, has continued to, never ceases to speak words against the holy place, and the law. This holy place, Jerusalem, and the law. And we've heard him say that even Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And, you know, he stands before them. They're unable to refute him. Uh, He stands there with, it says, a face like an angel. Stephen is standing in that space, that very thin space that Christians stand in, uh, on earth but in heaven, having having made the connection we are heaven earth people because Jesus is the god man because now we are citizens of heaven but we live our lives in this world on in this realm and so gazing at him they they saw he was a face like an angel and then they said are these things so um, and and Stephen starts with with just a story he doesn't he doesn't counteract the direct charges to defend himself he doesn't even mention himself. Poor. would that be a lesson? We could just close in prayer right now. He doesn't defend himself. He's willing to be mistreated. And what he does is he tells the story of God to be a faithful witness. The God, the God of glory. Oh, if, if you want to charge, read Psalm 29. The only other place in the Bible where he's described as the God of glory, the God of glory whose voice thunders and, and the the earthquakes right read read psalm 29 but the charges were were speaking against Moses and against the temple and then this week I just want to deal with the idea of the the charges of against Moses and next week I'd, I'd like to deal with the temple and and what happens to Stephen he's he's stoned to death the the question really is, is Stephen is asking is it really is it really me, says Stephen, and and the apostles who are rejecting Moses? Or wasn't it Israel itself that has always had a history of rejecting the word of God as it came to them through Moses and the other prophets? He, he starts with the story of Abraham. Before Moses and, and the Exodus and the Ten Commandments, there was another prophet who spoke face to face with God. And Stephen ties back to him, and so can we. Yeah, we can. Father Abraham had many sons, and and we're one of them if we follow Jesus. So Abraham, or Abram, was a pagan, right, following all these other gods. Uh, He was as pagan as they come, but, but he at least responded to Yahweh's voice, faltering at times, if you know his story. But he was the foundation of those who would come and be responsive to the word. Stephen notes that Yahweh showed up and talked with Abram, even when he was a pagan, way back in Mesopotamia. And he later Yahweh shows up to discuss plans with Abraham and walks and talks with him. He appeared face to face, face to face conversation with Abram. We have a a visible Yahweh figure, along with an invisible Yahweh figure. And sometimes in the same conversation, in the same room, as it were, we've got the voice of god speaking but also a visible god uh, we've got this this binitarian view two two view two person view of god that that lays the foundation for our trinitarian language that we get in the new testament now now in genesis chapter 12 um, 1 through 3. These are verses that we can claim to. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country and from your kindred to your, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is what, this is what Jesus came to fulfill. Stephen's pointing this out and we are all a part of it. Christians make a very deep connection with the past faithfulness of God and Abraham. We find ourselves in his story as his heirs, right? He was promised this inheritance, promised this and promised to have children that, that would in in get his inheritance. And now, and now here we are. So, if you want a pro tip, read your Old Testament. Look at that story of Israel to which you now belong. It's pretty amazing. You can become an heir with Abraham. And when Jesus was being questioned, perhaps you know this, he, he pointed to Abraham and he says Abraham was pointing to him himself. So Jesus is pointing to Abraham and Abraham is saying that Abraham is pointing to Jesus. Maybe, maybe you know this, John chapter 8, uh, verse 53 through 58. They, they come after Jesus. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and, and, the, and the prophets died? Who, may, who do you make yourself out to be? Well, isn't it kind of funny that, that Stephen's attack on the on the leaders of, of Israel is that you're the ones that killed the prophets. And so he's like, oh, we, we have these great prophets. And who do you make yourself out to be? And Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It's my father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you haven't known him. I know him. If I were to say I don't know him, I'd be a liar like you. But we do know him. And I, listen to this. He says, I keep his word. I keep his word. Hang on to that. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Abraham, when I was hanging out with him, <laughs> said, I can't wait till your day comes. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, what, you're not even 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? Abraham. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Well, that's a nod to Yahweh language. I am the the, the great I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. So we have this interaction with, with Jesus, very much like Stephen ends up interacting with him. And they both point to Abraham. And Jesus is saying Abraham points to him. So Stephen finds himself in good company, pointing out their flaws in obedience, in keeping the word, keeping of his word, to obey, to hear, to truly hear the words of God is to obey, to keep his word. So the story, as Stephen describes it, it takes them to Egypt. And then Moses, whom they rejected not once, or twice, but, but continually. You, you rejected even the one you're, t- you're bringing charges against me for blasphemy. And you're the ones, with, the Israel, Israel is the one that has continually rejected the prophets, including Moses. And remember, Moses pointed to this one who would, would come and he says, listen to him. And, and they believed, the Stephen believed, that that was Jesus himself. So the people, he tells the story, they were led out of Egypt by Yahweh himself, visible and audible to Moses again. You see it in the bush. You've got an angel, but you've also got a voice. You've got God's glory, but then also uh, the angel of the Lord leading them with a drawn sword. You have this very interesting visible Yahweh as an angel and the invisible word. And they were shown that Yahweh is the only source of life and love and joy. And yet their hearts turned back to Egypt. Turning back to Egypt is has, has now become and was developing then as a as a slam on them. Like what, you want to go back to Egypt? To the security of slavery and but you get meals, you know. I know you're in jail, but you get three three hots and a cot. You you're you, you get to You have to do work for them, but at least your life is secure and tidy. So what did did the Israelites do? They grumbled and murmured and looked to other gods to save them. Said, oh, these are the gods who saved us, who brought us out of Egypt. They shifted their focus from Yahweh, the very presence among them, to, well, we don't know what happened to Moses, so we're just going to go with these other gods. That's what we're comfortable with. Yeah, I wonder if you're saying, oh man, those Israelites, whew, what's their problem, right? You would never, oh, I would never have that, that issue. Can you imagine the nerve uh, being rescued, brought out of slavery, offered daily provision and living presence and turning to another source of life, looking to other gods to give them peace, security, pleasure, satisfaction? Imagine it. <laughs> We're living it. Can I imagine a time in which God's presence is available, His living presence, and His daily provision, and and His His rescuing work? Well, yeah, yeah, that's the story we're living in, right? And can you imagine having all that and still turning back to other gods to satisfy you, to secure you, to give you pleasure and peace? We're living in this time. It's a time when our souls are being tested, and many of us are failing the test. It's not just the pagans, either. We're facing temptation to be a bickering, murmuring, joyless, addicted, self-centered, pleasure-seeking, complaining crowd, the wanderers, (laughs) the wanderers in the wilderness. We're facing that temptation right now. And again, not just the pagans. The pandemic and cultural upheaval has taken us to the desert. And people are scrounging around for something to satisfy them, turning over every rock, looking at every mud puddle, looking at every oasis that promises, you know, the mirage that promises. They're looking for a God who will promise them something in exchange for their time and attention. That's what people are doing right now. They're sacrificing their marriages, their children, all in pursuit of something to soothe their weary soul. The smoke has descended on our valley. The rain has not come. So we pursue elsewhere some sort of satisfaction. And again, it's not just the atheists who are doing this. So I, I just got to tell you, look to Christ. Look to to Jesus. Look to the fountain of life. Look to the rock. I beg you. Your your gods are failing you. The promise of one more distraction, one more show, one more group chat, one more cat video, one more movie, one more drink, one more chocolate cake, or one more sexual encounter, that'll rescue you from the ache in your soul, right? Oh yeah, the promise is there, but the gods are failing you. Your gods are failing you. Your Peace, health, well that's all gone. Prosperity, well for some. Security, well that's actually, yeah we're talking about the rise in theft and we're trying to figure out a way to protect ourselves more. Or, or you pour yourself into work to find yourself. Find yourself in work, Work is something that we do out of an overflow of the abundance that God has given to us. Your gods are failing you. And Stephen quotes the the prophet Amos to to remind them that they they weren't really even worshiping Yahweh in the wilderness. They they were worshiping other gods. And so God gave them over to the gods they were really worshiping. You read that in in Acts 7 here? He, He says, you you really want these gods? Is that really what you want? So he gave them over. He sent them away to exile. He gave them their heart's desire. He gave them over because they weren't looking for him in the first place. God gave them over. This is heart-rending judgment for the lack of obedience, the lack of hearing, the lack of keeping the word, their hearts are turned away. Maybe you know Romans chapter 1 verse 18 through 20, 32. It just talks about this slide. And so so because they, they didn't pursue God, they wanted to pursue other things. God gave them over. Okay, you can have what you want. You go into exile. You can have it. That's where the gods that you worship live. Okay, you can go and live with those gods. Oof. I've had a few times in the last few weeks where I had to work really hard to turn my face toward Jesus, to the One who never fails. My body was looking for entertainment, but my soul was thirsting for Jesus. My flesh wanted a cure for boredom, but my soul was directing me to look to the One who rescues. Have you felt that where Jesus is calling to you in in those moments when you kind of want to bicker, when you kind of want to? fight, when you kind of are feisty, when you're kind of bored, when you're kind of lonely, and all those different things, and you look, you look, you look, you look for something, and Jesus is just offering Himself there, His living presence, His daily provision, the only source of life, love, and joy. Uh, one of those times, I just sat down at the piano and started plunking out some chords and, and playing and playing some worship music. So important for me to get my mind wrapped about. Sometimes I don't do so well. Sometimes I just go into entertainment or one more show or whatever, right? But think about this. How long will he let you pursue the things that don't satisfy? To pursue other gods before he gives you over to those other things. How long? How long will he let you pursue other gods before he sends you to live in their land? I don't know either. But today is the day to turn back to Jesus. There's a way out of the bickering, idolatrous, craving lives that we've been tempted to pursue. There's a way of escape, to look to the Word, to keep His Word. 1 Corinthians 10, 1-13, I want to read it to you. It's so appropriate. Paul saying to the Corinthians, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, anyone who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. Okay, so so far we've got the wandering in the desert. We've got the looking for something else other than God to satisfy. Idolaters, sexually immoral. Those that that were putting, putting God to the test. Remember, they, they, uh, during, when they were attacked by serpents, they, Moses raised up a serpent in the wilderness. He raised that up and he said, look to this and be saved. Well, that's what we do now. We look to Christ, crucified, and are saved. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall And then a verse so often plucked out of context is found here in context of the wandering, bickering, idolatrous, pleasure-seeking (laughs) God-forsakers. No temptation has taken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. This is for us right now in our COVID pandemic desert of cultural upheaval, of wilderness. Look to Christ. The temptation that is is coming after you, the temptation to pursue all these other gods, that's normal, that's common, but God will not let you alone. He says, I'm gonna give you a way out. The way out is to look to Jesus. He is faithful. He won't let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape. And I I think I might be your way of escape right now. The voice of truth coming to you saying to look to Jesus. Look to Jesus that you may be able to endure it. And it says, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Looking to these idols, these other gods to satisfy because Because Yahweh doesn't deal well with grumbling hearts that are turned away from him. Awful, awe-producing responses. But he does provide escape. And in, in all of your escapism tendencies, we'll just go to this, we'll go to that, we'll go to that, distract myself, whatever those things, in all of those tendencies, fly to Jesus. Escape to him to find freedom there. So the pagans, the ones who run after all these other things, are living out their job description pretty well, almost consistent with their beliefs. But it's our time to live out our job description, to go to the well, to drink deeply, to show others where to find water in the wilderness, where to find sustenance and satisfaction. The world needs us to know the fountain of life and to show them the fountain of life, to lead them to the water. So we, church, got to drink deeply from that well. Lord, revive us with your pure and fresh water from the fountain of life. Next week, we'll look at how the Jerusalem temple itself became an idol to the Jewish people, and Yahweh abandoned it. Uh, We see Stephen's case that the leaders of the Jewish people were the ones who rejected the prophets, right? This, This is what we see. Jesus is Jesus has, has predicted this. Stephen is laying it out for them. The Jewish people were the ones who've rejected the prophets. You've rejected Jesus. And then you've re- you're rejecting the Jewish and now Gentile believers who followed Jesus. They rejected the ultimate prophet. And we dare not do the same. So there's two things, I think, that all fall under this idea of keep his word. We gotta, we've got to keep his word. So here we go. Uh, two, two parts of that is the words of the prophets. Go to the Old Testament. Immerse yourself in the story. Develop a heart for obedience. Go, go find yourself in that story. Find yourself in the promise to Abraham that he would bring blessing to all nations. That's Haiti. That's Afghanistan. That's Iran. That's Iraq. That's Syria. That's Libya. That's Mozambique. That's South, South Africa. There are hotspots of difficulty all over the world. There's 300 million Christians being persecuted today. We'll talk more about that next week. But let's let's develop a heart for obedience, to hear the word and respond. That's that's keeping the word, the words of the prophets. Get into your Bibles. (laughs) But the word of God himself, keep his word. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. His name was Jesus. And so we are to abide in him, the, the wellspring of life, the one who brings fruit instead of futility in our lives. So I'm just, I just want you to turn back. Whether you're an atheist or a Christian wandering around trying to rescue yourself, turn back, look to Christ, acknowledge the one Lord, and be saved. Saved from your own pursuits of other gods. Saved from the trouble they cause. And the ripples of terror they spread through our lives in the desert. One last passage, I just want to read it to you. Jeremiah was one of those prophets. Jeremiah chapter 2, he's talking to Israel again and says, You've forsaken me. The, the word of Yahweh came to me saying, Go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord. I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, How you followed me in the wilderness, in a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of his harvest. All who ate of it incurred guilt. Disaster came upon them, declares the Lord. If you curse them, you'll be cursed. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the clans of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord. What wrong did your fathers find in me, that they went far from me? and went after worthlessness, and became worthless. They didn't say, where is the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt, who led us in the wilderness, and in the land of deserts and pits, in the land of drought and deep darkness, in a land that none passes through, where no man dwells. And I brought you into a plentiful land to enjoy its fruits and its good things. But when you came in, you defiled my land, and you made my heritage an abomination. The priest didn't say, where is the Lord? Those who handle the law did not know me the shepherds transgressed against me the prophets prophesied by baal the master the the local deity and they went after all things that do not profit therefore i still contend with you declares the lord and with your children's children i will contend from for cross to the coasts of cyprus and see or sent to kedar and examine with care see if there has ever been such a thing has a nation changed its gods Even though they are no gods, but my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Today, my encouragement to you is to keep his word, keep, keep close to the word of the prophets and, and read through your Bible and understand where you're at in the story, but keep close to the one source of life, the word, Jesus himself. Maybe it's a simple message for you, but I think it's super important today as we wander through this wilderness and we do it together, the pandemic and the upheaval in our culture, we, as we do this together, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus.